The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB, 1240 AM, 95.9. On your FM dial, 516-623-1240 is the phone number to get in touch with us tonight. We want your Jets calls. We want your Giants calls. Mike Trezza on hand, along with Mike Cadone, the spot on sports guys. We'll take you for the next 60. We're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and any place you get your podcasts. Heavy, heavy dose of Jets tonight. Lots of Giants after the break. Before we do any of that, let me say hi to my co-host, the man we call the coach, Mike Cadone. Trez, always great to be with you, and, and tonight is no exception. It's going to be a tough one talking about our Giants and, and the Jets as well, but you could be thinking about waking up tomorrow in Denver, Colorado, coming off a 50-point loss to the Dolphins. So Jet fans, Giant fans, relax, take a, take a breath. It's going to be okay. But it, it, it's tough stuff. But I'm looking forward to, to getting all sorts of ideas about what can be done for these teams after three games to, to get something going here. Yeah, you know, and it's so funny, Mike, because we spent really the whole second half of baseball season Oh, my gosh, this Mets season's a disaster. Oh, my gosh, this Yankee season is abysmal. Oh, my gosh, these teams stink. When does football start? When does football start? When does football start? <laughs> football starts. The Giants get absolutely lambasted, blown out of a cannon by the Cowboys at home in a pouring rain. I mean, everything about that game was so ugly to watch, so yeah. ugly. And then you saw what happened the very next night, also in prime time, to the Jets, four or five plays into the game, and you said to yourself, wait a minute, wait a minute, bring back baseball season. This is an absolute <laughs> fiasco. Yeah, I mean, I was listening today. I enjoy the radio broadcast of the Jets. Bob Bashusen, is he's been doing it for a while. Bashusen's great. He's great. Him and Marty, you know, you've had Marty on the show before, Marty Lyons. And Bashusen was saying at one point, he's like, there is – and." I, I completely agree with this. I was thinking to myself, is he just saying this because he's the Jet announcer? But he's like, there is no other fan base in sport that is looking for something positive as much as a Jet fan. Yeah. I mean, they have suffered for for decades and decades, and, and they finally you know get a little something going. And you know, back in the day when when Parcells was there and, and Rex Ryan, you know, they had they had something going. But it wasn't it wasn't even the juice. Of uh, of this year with with bringing in you know Aaron Rodgers and and the the defense it, there really was it was legitimate it it wasn't just you know chatter so when they you know four or five offensive plays in like you mentioned with Aaron Rodgers he he goes down the night after the Giants get just embarrassed you're saying to yourself well uh, how many weeks till hockey season how many weeks till basketball season and that's just you know it's unacceptable. You know, today, another really, really ugly game for the New York Jets. 15-10 to 10 loss to the Patriots. Mike, they have lost to the New England Patriots 15 times in a row. 
I mean, 15 times in a row. It's almost statistically impossible. It, it is. And you know what? I mean, Belichick, oh. even all these years later, has still has such a vendetta against the Jets. He loves beating the Jets. You can say, hey, you know what? Maybe he doesn't, maybe he takes it easy a little bit between games, although that's not his nature. But no. he certainly doesn't take it easy when he knows he's playing the Jets that week. And, and I mean, he just loves sticking it to them, and he keeps on doing it year after year, game after game. Yeah, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for the Jets, who owns the team, who the general manager is. He just loves beating the Jets. I mean, I almost think that, you know, if it, if they were playing – uh, checkers. If they, if it was a, you know, if they were out in the parking lot, playing, playing the, you know, seven on seven, he would, he would do anything possible to beat a, a New York Jet or anybody in a, in a New York Jet in a New York Jet jersey because he just does. And his, the dominance. I would be curious to see in NFL history what team or what matchup has been that one sided. Over, I mean, you could probably, I guess, go back 40s and 50s. But in, in modern times, who's owned another team? I mean, I know the Packers and the Bears kind of. But it's <laughs> this is New York Jet football. I mean, my goodness. I mean, it, it, it was so bad today. You look at some of the stats. In the first half, Zach Wilson actually had 10 yards throwing the football. Mike. I mean, that's, that's ten more than you and me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to beat up on the kid, and I know everybody's taking shots at him. Everybody's beating up on him. Well, he's the easy target. He's the easy target, and and you know what? Right now, just for some clarity, let's bring on the guy who is our New York Jets reporter. We'll talk to him about the Jet Road game he went to. We talked to him about today's game. Of course, I'm talking about Johnny Sticks, John Santa Maria, and he joins us now. Johnny, what's up, bud? Well, it was good trying to uh, pretty much uh, take in everything that I saw today and digest it. Yeah, so Mike and I were just talking about it right before you came on. Zach Wilson, 10 yards passing in the first half, John. <sighs> Not there is a long side. <laughs> he needs a lot of work. He needs a lot of work. And the one thing I will give him credit for he did take ownership from it after the game and said, it starts with me. So, John, let me just ask you, and I'm very interested. I know Mike brought up the, the Dallas game. I'm interested to see all that is Jerry's world down there and what your experience was like. But um, as someone who follows the Jets as, as, as much as you do, who knows the team as much, that one drive in the second half where they went, I, I think it was 80-something 80, 80 yards and, they score a touchdown, and it was really efficient. There's a lot of juice in the building. Why can they do that, or why can Zach do that and then look so awful at other times? I think there are times he's played scared. He's, like, unsure of himself. That I agree with And he's 100%. got the weapons. I think the offensive line struggles are really exposing themselves. A lot of the shuffling, the same problems we saw last year with the offensive line. You're really seeing the fact that Joe Douglas maybe didn't address the offensive line as much as he probably should have in the offseason, and they're paying the price for it now. But we'll see. I mean, it is early enough. You could still There is time to still do some things. We do know they need to definitely bring in another quarterback. You can't survive the season with these two. But maybe also bring in some extra depth on that offensive line, even if it's a trade or a free agent, because, you know, there are guys out there. I mean, there's a reason why. The XFL is here. There is a reason why the USFL is here. There are guys out there who played competitive football 
not too long ago. Why not give those guys a shot? Maybe you could find a couple of diamond cousins from those springlets because those were not bad leagues. Why not bring those in? Bring guys in. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention to you, John, also was you know we can we talk about the progress or lack of progress or what what caused Zach to have you know his issues today. But the rushing game, I mean, they they rushed for thirty eight yards, and and so the offensive line. I think you make a great point. Um, did they haven't done anything? I mean, it, this game where you have it, it's it's bad weather. It's hard to throw the ball. You got to establish something in the rush, and, and they they tried the best they could at, at least playing call playing wise. But uh, just yeah, thirty eight yards rushing, so that's not going to get it done either. Yeah, that's the problem with the offensive line. And the other thing I'd like to see them start doing with Zach Wilson, I've been saying this the day he got drafted. Take advantage of his mobility. Maybe put some uh, design runs in there, and because he can move, and maybe it'll take away the sacks. It'll take away all that scramble in the backfield that we've seen him struggle with so often. And on that one drive that you mentioned, he actually he moved himself with the ball. I want to see him do that a little bit more consistently, and maybe you'll get more than ten points a game. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Because during that drive. They they completely changed their 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 approach a little bit. Like you said, design runs for him instead of run first down, run second down. They were throwing on first down. They had tempo. They were up to the ball quickly. Um, he didn't have to worry about making mistakes. They were, you know he was he was going. He was playing free and easy, um, and that really seemed to to do do the trick for that. And then the next drive, you could see the pressure was back on because he's like, oh, I got to score again. And then not that the play calls changed so much, but I really feel it's a it's a pressure issue with him and playing free and easy, and you got to feel for him. But the the offensive line for sure has got to take a lot of the blame for a game like this because you can't you can't have guys like Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook who are tremendous rushers. I mean, Brees proved it. You know, his first game back, and Dalvin Cook's been been all pro. You know, three four three out of the last four years, and, and they're, they're averaging 1.5 and 2.2 yards per carry. That, that's just that's yeah, atrocious. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a, big, that's a big problem, and that's on Joe Douglas. That's not on Robert Sala. That's not even on Nathaniel Hackett. I don't have a problem. There are people who are complaining about Nathaniel Hackett's play calling. I don't think a lot of this is on him. He's, no. a very good off- he's a very good offensive coordinator. Him and Robert Sala, they're safe right now. No, no, nobody needs to panic and worry about that. This is, Robert Sala's defense bounced back after the Dallas game. We'll talk about that. I'm not concerned with with that side of the ball. They got to figure things out on the offensive line, and that's on Joe Douglas. John, one thing that confused me a little bit was you saw how effective New England used the tight ends in their offense. Well, we heard a lot of this stuff this week from Sala about um, how he wanted to get Rucker, the kid from my hometown into yeah. the game a little bit more and throw to him a little bit more, maybe even get him involved in the passing game just a little bit more. I mean, if you weren't going to do it on a day like today, when are you going to do it? I, I, I didn't see him on the field at all. Well, when you have an offensive line who's not giving you time, I don't care if you're throwing to Garrett Wilson or not, you're not going to have time to throw too much of the ball around. But, yes, you're all right. I would like to see more of those maybe two, three tight end sets. And, yes, you're talking about even if Rucker's in there as a blocker to create opportunities for, say, Tyler Conklin or C.J. Azama, you might as well try something because even if the old line is strong, maybe you need to throw in 
one of those formations with extra tight ends for blocking purposes to help us dismantle offensive line. I would do anything right now if I'm Hackett when he goes to sit and put the game plan. You have the Chiefs coming in on Sunday Night Football next week, and they just blew out at home the Chicago Bears, who have a very similar issue with the quarterback position. So you don't want them coming into MetLife and putting 41 on you, and then that game is over and unwatchable by 9.30 at night next Sunday. John, let's flip around to the other side of the ball because, you know, we heard a lot about this Jet defense, and it was supposed to be Jet defense plus Aaron Rodgers. We know that game plan went out the window early. But, I mean, everybody wants to line up around the block to to give Zach Wilson a couple kicks in the rear end, but... I mean, I think the Jet defense has got to take their lumps, too. Yeah, only 15 points given up, but, I mean, you did give up a couple long passing plays. Have you been satisfied or uh, impressed by the way, especially over the last two games, this Jet defense has performed? So the secondary is a little bit banged up. I didn't like the way they looked on defense in Dallas. They did not, and being there in person, we'll get to that, but... I didn't think that, I think the Jets had trouble with the speed of the Cowboys this week, it seemed at times, and they adjusted it in the second half. They only held them to the safety in the second half. They adjusted to the pass game because they had trouble covering the tight ends, but they made the tweaks they needed to, went more to that man focus as opposed to maybe the cover where a lot of that open space was coming, especially on the touchdown. That's why I thought after halftime, if Zach plays mistake-free football, they got the touchdown. They had a chance to at least tie the game. But then that last drive, it turned into pressure for a touchdown because they got the safety on Zach in the previous drive. Everything was just thrown up for grabs, and it was just it was just a mess in the last four minutes of the game. But I saw improvement from the defense, but I still think there's always something you can work on, and I think that secondary – Still needs to figure a couple of things out, especially with the uh, with the folks coming in next week in Travis Kelsey and possibly T. Swift into uh, MetLife as she was in Kansas City today. <laughs> uh, so let's back up a little bit, John. I know you had wanted to talk about the trip to Dallas, talk about Jerry World, what the whole experience was like for you getting in there. Um, any problems with anything? Any problems with? Fans in the stands coming in during the game, after the game. So a lot of Jets fans made the trip down, including the legendary Fireman Ed. Um, I did not see him, but he was in the building. There was a lot of green all across Dallas and Arlington and Irving where I stayed. Um, I will say uh, the quickest ride to and from a, a football game as opposed to what we're used to here in New York. And those people are just amazed down there that we have to commute at the pace we do to go see football because they didn't build a facility in New York. But that's the deal. That's the hand we're dealt. But getting there in 20 minutes is very nice. Overall, the complex is essentially set up. If you guys have ever been to Philadelphia, you know how they're built. They have the Eagles in one lot, the Phillies, and then the uh, arena for the Sixers and the and the uh, Flyers. It's just a bigger setup because, obviously, you have the Texas Rangers ballpark and then their former ballpark, Globe Life Field. Or Chalkasaw Stadium, whatever it's called these days. Yeah, what are they so they're using that for? What college football now? So what that's being used for? The Arlington Renegades of the XFL play there. They play some minor league soccer there, and then oh, also okay. a lot of the high school playoffs in the state of Texas are held there. Wow! So a lot is used there. They built 
the Rangers' new ballpark, and they kept that one to repurpose it because they knew there's a lot of need for it, especially high school football. That is a very, very big deal down there. So impressive facility, though, uh, Jerry World, no? Yeah, it makes you not want to go. It makes you uh, be ashamed of what MetLife looks like. It, I am t- No, you make a great point there, John. I'm with you 100%. I have to be honest with you. I can't stand that stadium. Yeah, you know what, too? There's, uh, you talked, I was with some friends today who watched, and whether it's uh, Tampa or Philadelphia or Los Angeles, they just all put MetLife to shame, all of them, even the older ones. Maybe even Soldier Field, as much as everybody trashes that place, or even Cincinnati, an older place, it makes MetLife look embarrassing. Well, they, they, all those other stadiums have a character. I mean, there's something to it. it this is, I mean, minus the uh, the luxury boxes and and. What was the, what is the difference if you look between MetLife? Yeah, I mean, there's it's, it's just a it's just a big circle there's and it. there's nothing to it. Yeah, I'd rather go take. I said this. I wanted I've wanted to do Dallas because you know the Jets never really go there, so you don't know when this is going to happen again. But I I did say this. I said to my friend who we went who I went with. I said I think the next time got to make a trip to the link. Got to go to Philadelphia, yeah. and because we're Jet fans, we're allowed there. They're, they're not so kind, and even in <laughs> Dallas. They don't want to see giant jerseys. They don't want to see eagle jerseys, and they definitely don't want to see commander jerseys down there. And I would think Philly's the same way with division rivals. The the last question I had about about Dallas, John, is uh, pricing. You know, everything everything in Texas is bigger, and uh, are the prices kind of online with with New York, or is it um, significantly oh, more or less, or is it kind of definitely a little cheaper at restaurants? I mean. That part, I mean, stuff in the in the stadium was was right about fair, maybe a couple of dollars cheaper. Okay. Um, the ticket on some of that is it is what it is for that. It was yeah. also the Cowboys home opener. Sure. Um, and the the Ubers were very cheap, so I didn't have to worry about that. But it was just a it was just a very pleasant experience. I enjoyed getting to go down there. What was nice too was remember an hour back, three twenty five start time. You get back to the back and watch Sunday night football. Seven o'clock, and your your game day is over before ten, which is very nice. Yeah, that is nice. So, John, let's get back to the current situation with the Jets. Obviously, a lot of calls right now for for the Jets to go out and take a look at some of the veteran quarterbacks that are still hanging out out there. What do you think about that, John? So, there was a couple names I was thinking of, but first, I also think you need to take a look at some offensive line. So like I said, too, the idea of let, – let's even look back at this. What was the purpose of the idea of the spring leagues, the USFL and the XFL, for guys to get second chances? There was no excuse why the Jets did not call A.J. McCarron, who was very good for the St. Louis Battlehawks this season. I did watch a lot of that spring stuff because I was very interested in it. He played very well. They, the Bengals signed him as depth for Joe Burrow, who may not play tomorrow night. We're still not sure. But if he is cut before the week is over, there's no reason why you don't bring him in. There's no reason why you don't take a look at Carson Wentz. But the one I would stay away from, I did not like the way Matt Ryan looked last year. I know he had reached out. He, his agent reached out to the Jets. But he's better off sitting next to Tiki Barber and Andrew Catalan in the CPS booth. I think he's washed. But Wentz would not kill you. I would not make a trade unless it's like something like real conditional at the bottom of the draft. And then we're talking like, all right, let's maybe look at Drew Locke, the backup quarterback in Seattle, who's started some games that's probably not getting on the field anytime soon because of Geno Smith. 
or Cooper Rush, one of the backups in Dallas, because Trey Lance is there. Where's all this playing time coming from? Guy who started last year when Dak was hurt. He could at least maybe give you something and be serviceable. There's no reason why they can't at least explore those things. There was there was word that they had made an offer to Chad Henney, uh, you know, who retired from the Chiefs, and uh, that name doesn't get you all that excited either. It, it's, no, I take a pass on that one. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, it, they they said after the game today, you know, again that that Zach's the starter and they're going with it. I mean, that's no huge surprise because there's there's really. What do you expect the right. coach to say post game? He's yeah. not going to throw his players on no, the bus. Of media. Absolutely not. not. But I think a lot, I think other stuff is going on behind the scenes. I still think somebody will be at. You can't finish the season with two quarterbacks on your roster. You still, I mean, look at what happened. I know it's the playoffs. It's a little further down. It cost the 49ers a trip to the Super Bowl last year when Brock Party went down. No, that is true. All right, John. Listen, thanks a lot. We will talk to you soon. All right, guys. Keep the faith. We got Islanders hockey coming up soon here as well. Yeah, so. it, should be, it should be a, a lot, to talk, <laughs> a lot to talk about. Yeah, it's gonna. I said to Mike, they, the Rangers are playing a preseason game tonight, so we got that going. And, and hopefully, hopefully, we'll have some Jet football that we can we can couple with it and keep keep some interest going here. Thanks, Jim. Hey, hey, one last thought for positivity for the weekend. Big upset in the Catholic League. Congrats to my SJB Cougars for beating the Shamanot. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd well get done. that in, John. Well done. The best well football done. result of the week. There you go. Go Cougars. We'll see you, John. Bye. Thanks, sir. All right, Mike. couple more Jet things. And by the way, folks, here's your chance right now. Uh, before the break, we've got an open phone line. Chime in, 516-623-1240. Jets. Giants, Yankees, Mets, whatever you want, we'll take you. Knicks, Nets, St. Yeah. John the Baptist that. football. Nets, if you tell me you're going to talk about Nets, I'm going to no, hang now, I'll, now I'll actually talk about the Nets because ah, there there's nobody on the roster that I despise anymore. No, you know what, though, Mike? I, there were there were two jet points I, I didn't want to make with, with John. I wanted to save for you. Um, but I like Salah. Hmm? I like Salah. I think yeah. he's going to be a good coach. If he keeps on getting that chance. But here are a couple things that we have to point out. I didn't want to bring these two up with John, but I'll bring them up with you. Number one, if you can't beat Belichick and, you know, listen, he doesn't own all 15 of those losses, but he owns the last five or so. Right. Okay? If you can't beat Belichick, you can't stay. Nope. Belichick doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. He's got Mac Jones back there. He's got... Ezekiel Elliott as his running back. Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I mean, come on. You know, the Jets can't be losing to this team. And the issue is when you're losing to this team time and again and you, Robert Sala, look like you're standing there clueless to make any adjustments, that's not a good thing. It's amazing you said that, Mike, because I was watching the game and I was thinking to myself, It was this was earlier in the game, and they they – they were showing Salah on the sideline, and he, even he looked dejected. And it was early in the game, and you know, not that he's a rah-rah type on the sideline, but you could just see. And when they were on offense, he just was—he was like literally on the headset, like trying to, "What do we do here? Like, what, what, what can we do to figure out something to get some yards, to get some points?" Yeah, and and now you 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 got you've started to see some of the squabbling, coach yeah. to coach, player to player, player to coach. Yep. Um, let me get. 
back to that point with you in just a minute. But in the meantime, let's go to the phones and welcome in our buddy Ray. Ray, how are you, bro? Hey, Trez, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for calling. What's on you your mind? Up, Coach? How are you? Some jet football? All right, Ray. I'm telling you, you know, I, I, I'm watching the Jet game today for, I was switching channels and stuff like that, but as much as I was trying to get into the game, I kept looking at the score, seeing what's going on in Miami. Did you see that, see the score down there? Yeah, Mike I mean, and I were talking about that. We're going to come back to that at the is, end. Is there any, yeah, is there any question? You guys covered that already, but unbelievable. It was no, like was something say, else, 70 is, to 20. Is there any question that the NFL, how much they, they despise the coaching staff. Sean Payton. Oh my God! Sean, oh, they're it, lined up around I, exactly the block. Exactly what I was supposed to, to say, coach. Is exactly oh, what I said. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. They, huh? it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> that division's hard to figure out. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know uh, all the players and all the teams, but it, it seems like Buffalo is is maybe come down a notch. I know they won today, but Miami seems to be really rolling these days. Not, I'm not just talking about today, but you know, they seem to be a favorite in most of these games now. So, yeah. interesting division. What do you guys think? Well, definitely, you know, Miami is. I think what has happened with them in the last two years is they they just have to stay as close to injury free as possible. Now they scored seventy points today, and they were still yeah. missing Jalen Waddle, who's one of their top two receivers. So that that's kind of scary. Um, they're good. Uh, Buffalo seems to have turned it around. You know, back they, they had a great performance today in Washington. Um, those two teams, but I, I think something gives me the sense that this is Miami's turn because they just are take the seventy points away. I mean, it's it's very impressive. Um, it never happens in the NFL. I think uh, Mike and I were discussing this. The last time that that many points was put up was nineteen sixty six or something like that. Um, so for seventy points to be scored in a modern era NFL you game, you were like in college back then, Mike. Well, I was. I, the thoughts were there back back then, back in that time. Um. But, Ray, I want to ask no. you about the Jets. I know you lo- you watch a lot of Jets. I mean, listen, it's starting to get to be put up or shut up time. Do you want to stay with Zach and ride with him for another couple weeks, or do you want to take a look at some of the veterans that Mike and John mentioned a couple minutes ago? Yeah, you know, I heard some of the names that they mentioned. I mean, it's interesting, you know. Um, A.J. McCarron, I heard that name. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he covered I, I think I may have missed it. He covered Fitz. I mean, you know, I always like Fitz as a quarterback. Looks like he might be out of shape. Yeah, nah, I think, I think that stuff. ship has so, sailed, right? You know, I don't know. I don't know how much you can expect to get from these blasts from past names. You know, I mean, I think uh, everyone knew that the season was going to be sort of, uh, you know, it was going to go up to a tough start with Aaron Rodgers and almost have to forget about the season to see what happens for next year, which is tough to process on week one on drive number one. But, uh, you know, I'd probably let Zach We'll finish it out and, and just see where we are in the off season. Honestly, I don't know how much it pays to get somebody, unless it's somebody you know. You just really uh, Carson Wentz. That name seems to be very controversial these days. I don't know. A lot of people are down on him, but uh, he was a serviceable. You know, at one point I thought he was a superstar in Philadelphia. So I guess that's a name that I, I thought about. Carson Wentz, Colt McCoy, Matt Ryan, Chad Henney. Mm-hmm. Would you take a look at any of those guys, Mike? I mean, I would kick the tires, but it, I, I think Ray makes a very good point here. I mean, is that, are any of those guys going to come in and make any kind of meaningful difference? Let Zach take the reins for the rest of the year. This year was built on Aaron Rodgers, and they don't have uh, – someone said to me today, why don't they have someone behind them? They knew you know, Aaron Rodgers is so old and whatever. They, 
the team wasn't constructed like that. And salary cap-wise, you're not going to be able to have a big-time backup quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers who makes the money he makes. You know, Zach is on – he's still on a relatively, you know, cap-friendly term. So if you do bring someone in, it's not going to be a big money guy. It, it can't be. Um, what do you address, John – Johnny said about the the offensive line. So, Ray, I think you're on the money. I I would I would be with you. Let's just let's just let Zach ride here and see what happens. And maybe uh, maybe they put a couple of games together. He's all about confidence. Who knows? But um, this year was was about you know two words: Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, great show, guys. Always enjoy it. Thanks, Thanks so much. Ray. We appreciate you calling Thanks, in, Ray. pal. Be well. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. Before we go to break, Michael, let me continue with surf back to that point just for one additional minute okay about sala now you're starting to see guys internally take shots at one another you're starting to see players take shots at coaches when that happens that's that's when you the head guy the guy who gets the bigger paycheck than those guys on your staff has to step up show some leadership how right now does robert sala do that well hopefully it's not too late that he hasn't lost the room already but great point that that Chris Caputo, who's going to be with us in just a minute, texted me before. There's a lot of guys in there that were brought in just for Aaron Rodgers. So those guys, what's their incentive now? I mean, Randall Cobb, he's guys like that who are supposed to be leaders who, you know, what's their incentive now? What does Sal have to do? Great question. Um, I think he, he's got to he's got to he call. Stand up and bang on the, no, the blackboard I, like, uh, you know, Pat Riley and that made for HBO thing. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I don't know about that, but I think what he does have to do is pretty quickly. Um, he's got to defend Zach Wilson, but he's got to, in a, in a professional way, call out the defense that hasn't been doing the job. Call out Garrett Wilson, who dropped a bunch of balls today and say, Hey, we need these guys to step up as well. It's just not on, on the quarterback. And, and go from there. Call him out, you know, behind the scenes, who knows what's going on. But he has to establish that, that he is taking control even three games into a season. How about publicly? How about their insistence, their stubborn, what, what it's seeming, seeming to be stubborn now, insistence that, um, that they're going to stay with Zach? <sighs> well, it's kind of like how many mistakes can you compound on top of the other? I mean, it's obvious that drafting him as high as they did was a mistake. Um, that he was their go-to guy no matter what. He was going to be a big story. That that Aaron Rodgers was going to mentor him and he was going to get the best out of him, whatever else. If if they if they get rid of him now or pull him back now, it's admitting a lot of mistakes. Giant talk when we come back, folks. 516-623-1240. We'll be back in just one minute on Sports Talk New York. Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. 
Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Talk New York right here on 1240 AM WGBB. With the spot on sports, guys, the Trez man, Mike Trezza, the coach, Mike Gadone, with you until 9 o'clock, 516-623-1240. We want your phone calls. Right now, it's time to talk some New York Giants football. To help us do that is our buddy, Chris Caputo. Cap, what's happening? What's going on, fellas? All right, so... Do we start at the Dallas game, or do we just skip right over that game, Chris, entirely, and go right to the Arizona game? I think you at least have to address the fact that you couldn't put up any points. You actually made a nice, decent drive on the first uh, time down, and um, things kind of fell apart after that, and they fell apart pretty quickly. And it seems like every year the Giants run into the, the Cowboys. And I think that deflated a lot. Um, and that, that, that put a, uh, a damper on things. And then you can kind of chat a little bit about week two, um, which was a great comeback. They had a nice quarter and a half, but it's tough when your best player or one of your best players, uh, goes off the field at the end. Yeah, let me go back to the Dallas game a minute, Chris, because that game seemed to spiral out of control so quickly. I mean, as you mentioned, the Giants were driving the ball really well on that first drive, mostly on the ground, and then all of a sudden you get, you know, you get a penalty, you get backed up, you miss that field goal, it gets taken back the other way, following drive off Saquon's hands into the hands of a defender, and quickly you're down 14 nothing. At that point, you feel like they should have still been able to be committed to the run, or did you feel like maybe they got off it too, too quickly or that they had to get off it? I think um, things just spiraled so quickly that they went to the pass and got rid of the run. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily something they needed to do right away, but I think no matter what they tried that night, it was just going to turn ugly. And I think it was more just a matter of Dallas being ready and always having the Giants' number because I think whatever the Giants would have done that night, the coaching staff from Dallas had an answer to. So um, did they go away from the run? Probably after it got to be out of hand. I mean, Mike, that game got out of hand so fast yep. that people got to bed, and, and, and just the next morning all they could talk about was how bad the game was. Cap, could you imagine being in the stadium that night and having to make that ride home? Oh, my goodness. It's just <laughs> – it, Mike, it was it was a, it was a brutal situation because um, if you, you think about it, like the speculation, everything was looking forward to Monday night, right. and you know Aaron Rodgers being there. So when the Giants lay an egg like that, like they're the talk of the town for what the next morning at the coffee machine, and it's also September 11th, so people are thinking about other things. So I think people kind of forgot 
really quickly how bad that game was because the focus came on America, and here comes Aaron Rodgers with the the flag come and and the Giants were like a second story after 15 hours or so. Nobody really wanted to talk about them because the hype was there, but in reality. They had a lot of issues, and everything that went well for them the year before with coaching and, you know, guys playing their positions, you know, properly, and Daniel Jones getting a big contract, that all went out the window because people turned their attention elsewhere. Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. And, you know, Mike talks about the ride home. I mean, you would have been halfway through the Lincoln Tunnel before you would have been dried out that night. Add that on to your team getting their rear ends kicked in 40 to nothing. So, Kevin, yeah, that's brutal if you made that trip. Let me let me ask you a question, and and you'll you'll tell it to me straight if I'm crazy or not, and and if I am on this one, that's okay. I am not all that upset or disappointed about the result in San Francisco. I thought, based on the fact that there was no Saquon Barkley, the offensive line was a little beat up, that I, I thought they were going to get steamrolled even worse than what happened against Dallas. I mean, yeah, they lost thirty to twelve. That, that's that's not exactly a nail biter, but I thought that they actually came and played with some heart and played with with a, a plan. And you know, I, I'm not all that distressed. I thought that's actually a pretty decent result based on where they were coming from on a short week. Am I crazy? Um, I just would have liked to have seen what they would have been like with Barkley there, right. um, because you got a running back that that got the ball four times for 17 yards, which. Honestly, average per, you know, a guy who averaged over four yards a carry. But the Giants ran the ball, if I'm not mistaken, ten times the entire night. And, you know, what, the, the time of possession was totally San Francisco. Now, here's the thing. I think it was close to the end of the third quarter, and I could be wrong, guys, but I think the Giants were down like 17-12. It That's wasn't terrible. That's a score the end yeah. of the third, yeah. And it wasn't terrible. It's just that you've got to capitalize when the other team gives you you know, those situations. Uh, yes, are the, the 49ers better? Did we expect the Giants to get killed? Oh, yeah. But I would like to have seen them at full strength. Their tackling, guys, we'll talk defense. Their tackling was horrible. I mean, you could have put Carl Banks in there and he would have done better. Um, with, I, I understand that these are guys that are, are, you know, a little nifty and Christian McCaffrey and stuff like that, but their, their defensive tackling was just poor. And, um, you know, that, that I think was rough, but I, I don't think you should be totally upset, but, you know, the, the week before, I, I know they had to go to, to passing, but Daniel Jones had good completions, you know, high 20s for 30s for 300-something yards. But last week it was like high 20s for 30s, but 130-something yards. I think the plan was basically don't lose the game bad. Like, let's just throw the ball five yards, eight yards, seven yards, and not take any chances. And, you know, I can go on and on about different guys, but what's what's Sharp? Uh, you know, what's Sterling Sharp's? Um, excuse me. What's Sterling's role and what's Waller's role? Waller has three games and 126 yards and no touchdown. But that guy came in here supposedly going to be a stud. Now is he a little bit hurt? Maybe, but he's got to be the guy that he's got to be the Kelsey of the Giants. Like that ball's got to go to him in every big situation. Yeah, the, and, you know, let's go back a little bit because the Arizona game I thought was so interesting. I mean, so many people were about three minutes from shutting off their television, maybe even throwing their television out their living room window, Chris. I mean, you're down 20 to nothing at halftime, down at one point in that game, 28 to 7, and then all of a sudden it was like somebody flipped a switch and the giant offense started moving, the giant defense started tackling, and at the end of that game, you almost felt 
I don't know, guilty for, for being happy about their win. Uh, you know, th- there's a part of you that said to yourself, wait a minute, this is nice that this great comeback happened, but should we have ever been down this much to this team to begin with? I think that's a good point. Um, I think also, the you know, they fell apart and kind of gave us the game. I think the Giants did a nice job of holding on to timeouts and, you know, moving the ball well. But the thing is, I think that at some point they just turned their offensive situation into let's let Daniel Jones do what he wants to do. Let's open up the playbook for him and just let him explode. And um, they did that. Now, is that something the Giants need to do? Right away, you know, because Mike, uh, Coach Mike, you were saying before, you didn't expect the Giants to be in the game this past week. But I think the Giants should have been blowing out the Cardinals earlier, and I think they're they're going in with this, hey, we don't want to, you know, do something stupid and allow the other team to take a huge lead because that's what happened in the Cowboy game. We tried to allow Daniel to do what he wanted to do, and the game turned ugly. But I think at this point, at one and two, you know, you got to go into every game and say, let's not be cautious. Let's try something. And if it blows up, it blows up. But you can't be sitting there in the fourth quarter thinking that you have, you know, some, you know, Jim Harbaugh comeback king that's going to be winning every game for you. Yeah. So, you know, here's some good news, Chris. No more games <laughs> in September. By the time we play the Seahawks, it'll be October. And obviously at one and two, and this game being another um, prime time game, but also being a home game, uh, you know, you almost hate to use terms like must win and all this other stuff this early in the season. But how important is it for the Giants to get this one on Monday the second against the Seahawks? Yeah, I think that's a a, a big situation. You're on prime time TV. You got to at least show up. Um, you know, and you and you want to get the win and. You know, you start going up against these like Geno Smith guys, and you want to show that um, that you've got a better quarterback and um, and you've got a better defense. Uh, so I don't I don't want to say must win uh, because I don't honestly, guys. Like we talked before a little bit about where the Giants are this year. They're in a tough division. You know, they've got some teams that are really stellar. So for them to make the playoffs, a lot's going to have to happen their way. But I think you just you want to go out there and try and be a little more competitive, as opposed to hey, like we're giving up thirty, forty points a week. Like the Giants give up, you know, forty and then another thirty, and then like it's just too much. They've got to find a way to to kind of come back. And just because the Giants were in striking distance this past week doesn't mean they were anything close. Like total yards, I think this past week was four forty one to one fifty. Rushing yards was one forty one to twenty nine, and passing yards was 300 to 121, and the biggest part is the Giants only had 10 first downs, and two of them were on penalties, so the ball's never in their hands. Like that's, I know like they were competitive for three quarters against San Francisco, but in reality, they kind of got trounced three weeks in a row except for a quarter and a half. Let me shift gears with you for a minute, Chris. I gave you a heads up on the phone that I was going to ask you about this. And I know we don't want to talk much baseball tonight, but I got to uh, get this. The Mets, the Mets just did well. They lost again tonight. Six more to go. <laughs> I'm hoping they lose at least five out of six. Put themselves in a situation of getting themselves a top six draft pick. Because not sure if you know this, but if they don't finish in the top six, they drop ten spots. Oh. Or um, I didn't realize. Yeah, but that. it's not. 
you don't have to finish with the sixth worst record because it's a lottery system. But the, obviously, the worse you do, the better chance you have of getting a top six pick. If the Mets finish seven to seventeen, they drop from seven to seventeen or seventeen to twenty-seven. So, let's. I'm tanking for draft picks. So go ahead. <laughs> All right, but I want to ask you about this because I thought this was really, really interesting. In the early part of the season, when a lot of the Mets supposedly big bats stopped hitting one of the guys that you guys were able to count on for some offense was tommy fan all right tommy fan went in the fire sale midseason and is now someplace else and is talking about the work ethic of the players on the mets i thought mm-hmm. those comments were very interesting and wanted to ask you about them um listen fam He's a guy who's been around. He's he's kind of a straight shooter. Do you think his comments have any juice to them? He's gone. Guys, this comes from a guy who slapped Jock Peterson in the face over a high-stakes fantasy football issue. He was suspended for three games and fined. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay, but instead of making it about fam, what about the Mets? Does he have a point to what he said, Chris? Listen, Mike, you can, you can say it's about the Mets. The Mets are going to come back and say, hey, we worked hard. You're going to tell me that if Daniel Vogelback works hard, he's going to be a better player? You're going to tell me that if Tim LaCastro goes out there and works harder, he's going to be a better player? Just because you work harder doesn't mean this team was going to be any better. Pete Alonso works his freaking butt off. Brandon Nimmo, he does what he has to to get in shape. He didn't go to the World Baseball Classic. You know why? Because he wanted to focus on the season. Tommy Pham works hard. That's fine. But he's gotten himself in trouble. He got into an altercation with a fan a couple weeks ago while with the Diamondbacks. Shut your mouth, Tommy Pham. And go play in the playoffs. Wow. You're not with the Mets anymore. Okay? If I got to hear Max Scherzer on his way out, start ripping Steve Cohen. Go have fun in the playoffs. You be you. Leave the Mets alone. I just can't stand when guys leave an organization and they just leave, like, with so much drama. Just let it go. You did well. You got yourself traded. You got a chance to play in the playoffs. But there's certain guys on the Mets that are going to work hard and certain guys not. Do I think there was really a conversation between him and Francisco Lindor a couple weeks ago at City Field where Francisco said to him, hey, Tommy, thank you for teaching me what hard work is all about. Absolutely not. You're a fibber. Go play your game and leave us alone. Yeah, that, that, that was an interesting thing for him to say and kind of come out of nowhere. All right, so I know we, we didn't want to spend too much time on the Mets, but, but Cap, I got one question for you. I know my answer. And I think I know yours, but does Buck come back next year? I don't think so. And, you know, I've been talking about this for a while. If you're bringing David Stearns in, you're bringing in Craig Council. Um, And Craig Council, his contract is done at the end of the year. He said that he wants to take a year off. However, I think that he would be willing to pull that back. So I think next year, I think at some point at the end of the year, Buck says, hey, listen, like, that's it. He's only late 60s. He's not. He's not that old, but uh, I think it's time to bring in Craig Council and David Stearns, let them work together, you know, try to build what the Brewers did and do it that way. Well, I, 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 I'm a, I agree with you on this one. If you can get Council to come in as a, as a package, absolutely. If not, keep Buck for the year at least. I mean, he's got – this year was, was what it was. Um, I think he's well-liked by the players. I, I don't think he's – I think he's made any kind of major snafus or you know blunders on on, on the field. 
but if if you're talking council, I think that makes a lot of sense, um, and, and it remains to be seen. But there's there's definitely got to be something something to look forward to. Yeah, and I think that conversation might happen in the next week because because the Brewers are going to make the playoffs, and and that announcement wouldn't come for a while. I'm not sure if Buck's going to make that decision by next Sunday. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he says, hey, listen, you know, uh, I'm not going to do it anymore. But I think people like Lindor are, are backing Buck and saying, hey, you know, come back for another year. Because here's the other thing, guys. Like, let's let's think about it. He's been here for two years. Last year, he's manager of the year. They went over 100 games. And everybody's loving every time he knows the rules and challenges and puts guys out there in right situations. But then this year, they were horrible. So he's got to take some of the blame. But you also have to give him some of the success that he did last year. I just think if you're going to start fresh, um, the Mets may have had a conversation with him to say, hey, listen, we're going to move on. All right, Cap, thanks for bringing the heat, bud. Yeah, I figured I would. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Cap. Take care, guys. All right, Bye. All right, so, Mike, I just wanted to finish up a couple more things on, on the Giants. And, and the reason why I asked Cap about that um, Seattle game is because when we when we take a look at the schedule, oh yeah, right was, beyond that, you read my mind. Um, you know, and here's the thing, Mike. There are really three very very good upper let upper echelon teams in the NFC. Unfortunately for the Giants, they have to play those three teams a total of five times, yeah. and that's Philly, Dallas, and and San Francisco. You saw what happened against. Dallas, you saw what happened against San Francisco. So after the Seahawks on the Monday night, which to me, Giants got to get that game. We have, have to, to have that game. Yeah. We have to go down to Miami, not just the game with Miami, in Miami, where on October 8th it's still going to be hot out. Absolutely. You know, and, and play the red-hot Miami Dolphins, and, and from there up to Western New York, one of your favorite places, and play the Buffalo Bills. Well, you know a lot about that. I mean, when I when I was a student back in the day at at your your daughter's alma mater there up in Geneseo, I remember calling home on October first, October first, and telling my family, "It's thirty two degrees out." It's October, snowing, and, Mom. And, and, get me out of here. On, on October. I mean, my, my my feet didn't run run through uh, Main Street Geneseo any faster to get out of that town. But yeah, that that's a great point. So you look at yeah. All right, Seahawks. So then go down to Miami, go up up to Buffalo, then they're home for Washington. Who knows what Washington is at that moment? Then they're home for the Jets. Okay. Then they're then they go to Las Vegas, the Raiders, who knows? And then you're talking November twelfth, Cowboys. So it it's a it you could get on a little bit of a mini roll, but you could also kind of by October twenty second when you're hosting the commanders be one in five, one in you got no juice. And then it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Five one six six two three twelve forty, folks. We have about ten minutes left. Time to take your call on the Giants or the Jets, Yankees, Mets, anything you want. We'll take you right now. Um, you know, Mike, here's the thing. And this is similar to what I was saying about Salah earlier. Okay? Giant fans, after having three lousy coaches in a row, right? Judge seemed like he was going to be the guy, and then quickly things went off the rails. I mean, Shermer, terrible. Yeah, I don't um, know what. Nice man, but I don't know what they were thinking on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, the last six, seven years have been a disaster. Giant fans lined up around the block to throw roses at, at Shermer, at, uh, at Dable last yep. year, right? 
And Dable looked like he could do no wrong. He looked like he was getting the most out of the team. I mean, they they looked more disciplined than they had in years. Um, and I will tell you something right now. Giant fans were sold a bill of goods. Here's what we were sold coming into this year. We've closed the gap with Philly. We've closed the gap with Dallas. And based on the first game, it looks like the the gap with Dallas not only didn't get close, it got bigger than last year. Yep. So, I mean, I will tell you, if we go 0-5 against those three really good teams and each of the games looks like that first one against Dallas, the love affair between oh. Dable and Giant fans is going to be over really, really, really quickly. quickly. The only silver lining today is that uh, Dallas lost to Arizona, which was a shocker. That they were, were they were down early. Never they kind of got back into it a little bit. Uh, so that that's even more ammunition to say that that first game, you know, against against Dallas was a little bit of an aberration or whatever else. But the NFL is just so quirky because team teams one day look fantastic, doing the next. It's all about injuries and momentum and. Uh, but you're 100% right. This this love affair with Dable will be over very quickly because Giant fans, having put up with the names that you mentioned and all the, the talk about are they going to are they going to sign Saquon back? What's what's Daniel Jones worth? Those kinds of questions. Do we you know bring in and Dal- Darren Waller upgrading here? Um, you know pieces of the puzzle. It's you're it, 100. You're, you, you're a thousand percent right. Where do you go from there if we're sitting one and five, one and six here around Halloween and, um, you know, God forbid somebody else is hurt or Saquon comes back and gets re-hurt. It's, it's, it's long. 17 weeks is a long time. Yeah. I mean, at some point you just have to admit, Hey, listen, there's an upper echelon. There's a second tier. There's a third tier. Um, and if the Giants even want to, be on the second tier. They've got to beat Seattle. And the other thing they have to do, Mike, they have to give Dallas and Philly yeah. good games. Absolutely. I mean, it can't be. I don't want to see 40 to nothing. No. I don't want to see a game like that playoff game oh. last year. That was horrible. It was. Let's go to the phones again and welcome in Frank. Frank, how are you? <laughs> Gentlemen, nice to talk to you again. How are you? All right. What's up, Frank? So, this is my buddy Frank uh, from Howard Beach, New York, man. That, that's me. Yeah, yeah. It's good. To, again, it's good to talk to you guys again. It's been a while. But um, no, I'm hearing all the, what you say about the Giants. Uh, I agree with you know, everything you're saying 100. percent The schedule is brutal coming up. But um, I wanted to ask you. Well, I want to get thoughts on one thing. We we all know about the shortcomings on, on the offense, right? The offensive line and not coming together. Uh, but what about that um, that defensive line? I mean, they spent a lot of money on Williams and Sexy Dexy, whatever it is. And we know that the secondary is very young. That line should be putting pressure, and they're not getting pressure on the quarterback. They're not getting any tackles for loss. I mean, every every run is like you know a three or four yard run. You know, so I want to get your thoughts on that to see what you know. If there's any way that they can remedy that because you know teams are running at will on them, and the quarterbacks are sitting there, you know, with all day to you know, throw the ball. Frank, that's a great point. You know, the name that came to mind both for me and and for Trez. Was was Kayvon Thibodeau? Where where is yeah. is he in the witness protection program or something? I mean, yeah. la- last year was like, uh, can you name my sack dance and uh, you know all these things? And he's doing snowflakes, yeah. and then all of a sudden, yeah, he's literally been like like 
the, the missing link here. What's going on? And you said you were going to be. You said you were concerned about yeah. him going into the season. Yeah. 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 What was that? There's somebody sitting on the bench all by himself, right? Where the team was celebrating or something. And uh, yeah. His answer was, "Oh, I was meditating or something." Yeah. And then he his new dance, some kind of robot dance, right? That he did the other day. He got one sack in three games. But, and it was yeah, a loss of three I, I, yards I on the play, cool. Frank. Yeah. Never his name tackled, deflected pass, nothing. No, they, what these guys are great at is, is social media. I think sometimes and creating, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Instagram brand and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and then when it is, when it's time to take the heat, yeah, where are you? I, I is it a sophomore slump? I don't know. But you made a great point because the defense, the giant defense, has always been the calling card for for as long as we've been giant mm-hmm. fans, and. Uh, got to put some heat on the quarterback, and, and literally there is nothing happening. Yeah, and the other thing that I'm sure you noticed, Frank, um, in that game against San Francisco, and Chris brought it up. Listen, Debo Samuels, Kittles, those guys, McCaffrey, they're hard to tackle. Let's not lie about it, but you can't have that many missed tackles. I mean, Debo Samuels, he was doing the Bavaro, carrying a half dozen guys down the field for 15 yards. Yeah, and he started the week before when uh, when Josh Dobbs ran over, you know, Xavier at the one yard line. I mean, you can't have a quarterback do that. McDaniel, you, you know, know I'll I, tell you right now, Xavier McDaniel, uh, uh, Xavier McKinney, I love him, but he's got to stop trying to strip the ball on every play, and he's got to yep. start making some tackles. Frank, you're a safety. Make some damn tackles. Let's go. Yeah, I agree with you. I see that too much too. I don't know if it's Wink Martindale come rip the ball out, but if you see on their runs, the first thing they're doing is trying to you know, rip out the ball. And you're right; they should just, you know, my when I play little league football, my coaches always said you can't run without legs, so just make the tackle. <laughs> Absolutely, hey Frank, great to hear from you, bud. Thanks so much for calling. Frank, right. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Thanks for calling. Keep, keep, keep up the good work. All right, pal. We'll talk soon. Hey, you I mean, got take care, bud. That he he, Frank made made a, a, a kind of a joke there, but. It, about his peewee coach, but that's exactly right. I no, that's true. Yeah, I mean, what are, you, what are we talking about here? Tackle somebody, my yeah. goodness. I mean, you know, listen, I, I am really looking forward to and also kind of dreading this game against Seattle because if we go to one and three, Mike, on our way to Miami and then on our way to Buffalo and then having to play the Jets right after that, that's going to be a tough assignment. Yeah, so, could, could you imagine both teams being going into that game oh. like, one and six. I mean, oh. talk about the stinker bowl. Crazy. Yeah. But anyway, really good show tonight. Absolutely. Great, great work. Uh, we want to thank Johnny Sticks, John Santa Maria, for popping on with us. We want to thank Cap, Chris Caputo, for a few minutes. We want to thank our callers, Ray and Frank. Brian Graves is our producer. Another great job out of him. For everybody here at Sports Talk New York, including my partner, the coach, Mike Adone, this is Mike Trezza thanking you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.